0: To DIY for business, a part of the best business network. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, how's it going? It's going pretty good. It's getting chilly though. It is right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's no fun. That's no fun. Uh, although you know I did in California, it's not really it, chilly. Exactly. Like right. I mean, <laughs> like what sixty? <laughs> we can't really complain. <laughs> no, no. Um, I actually I did some outdoor activities uh, this this weekend. I, I was like just out of the house as much as I possibly could be, even even with cold. Um, just it, it, there's something about being in the house, like now, you know, like working from home, being in the same four walls and all of that. It makes just getting out so much more enjoyable, you know, like, Oh, absolutely. I don't know. There's, there's something about it. And I noticed it during pandemic too. And I think I talked about this on our podcast back then where, you know, it was like um, uh, noticing just the squirrels outside or the birds flying by or whatever it is. I was noticing things more. And it's funny working from home. I noticed that stuff even more. It's so weird how that, that works. And it makes it where I'm just, I'm so much more relaxed
1: when I'm out there. It's so I, cool. I completely <laughs> I agree it. with you. It's like, if I can find time in nature just to get out, that's why I love golfing so much. Just, mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just, I know everybody says, oh my gosh, how can you stay out of you know for five hours on a golf course? And I go, but I'm out in beautiful golf course. There's trees, right. there's birds, there's deers. I'm with friends and I'm hanging out for five hours. Why is this a bad thing? Right? right. So um I I love getting out in nature, taking my walks with my dog, that type of thing. But you you're doing something kind of cool in your life too, where every week you're trying to get out of the house and work yeah, from somewhere yeah. else, just some remote you're place. Just How's that going for you?
0: Remote workplace. Well, you know, I, I said that I wasn't gonna do like the coffee shops and whatnot, but I am, I am hitting a couple of coffee shops. There is that. Right. And uh, you know, we talked about like me doing like some of the wineries and all the, all the fun stuff up there and uh, Napa and Sonoma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, that's coming soon. Um, I am going to do a, um, uh, there's a beach uh and I'm actually going to work like from the beach, uh, which will be kind of cool. Not actually on the beach because I don't want to get sand in the computer. I don't know what that's going to do. But <laughs> close <laughs> to the beach, there's this little like cafe thing that overlooks the uh, the Pacific Ocean. It's fantastic. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a shot this week and see uh, see how that works out.
1: Oh, I, I, you I, you the only thing that I'm out. concerned
0: about is the the Wi-Fi connection. Hopefully that's good. I don't want to get all the way out there and then I have no Wi-Fi. And,
1: So are you got that remote Wi-Fi hotspot?
0: Well, yeah, I got the little 5G hotspot thing, but uh, hopefully, hopefully it's all good out there. I got to, I don't know, I got to work that part out of of this whole thing because I'd hate to drive all the way out. there. It's like a two and a half hour drive, drive all the way out there and then,
1: oh, okay, well, I'm going to turn around. That wouldn't be fun. I'm I'm guessing because this is going to become part of your thing each week. You're going to probably trick out your vehicle some way, somehow, so that <laughs> it's going to be your mobile I mean, office and you're going to have this, like I don't know, maybe a van, maybe, I don't know, something new. I need the uh, the Starlink uh,
0: and, and a van and just work. Yeah, that would actually be awesome. You know, they do the mobile van life thing. Doing yeah. a mobile van office thing would be kind of cool because then I could just travel wherever could, not, not limited to the Bay Area. I could just go everywhere. Okay, yeah. I, th- I think I'm going to write this down. I think this is going to happen. Write that um, down,
1: and and I'm going to make you like some type of microphone to put on top of the vehicle, and then we're going to brand it DIY for business. Yeah, nice. on the side. Nice. Okay. And okay, you're, you're going to be mobile advertising for us.
0: All right, I love it. We'll we'll make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, it, it's not just Greg and I here on the show. I mean, I could I could I could talk with Greg all day. Uh, we are joined by a guest today. Lindsay Lerner. And and Lindsay, um, I asked her what her title is. And she says, well, you know what, she gets stuff done. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll let you explain that a little bit uh, there, uh, Lindsay. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. Stoked to be here.
1: So, so tell you us a little bit done. about yourself. Yeah.
2: Sure thing. Where should we where should we start?
1: let's start, let's start on the music side. You and I had a great conversation about kind of your you you started it by saying your past life, but it's really your current life because you can't get out of it. So tell can't us a little bit about what you did in the music industry,
2: sure. yeah, during my during college, actually, I started out. Since I was a little kid, I always thought I was going to be a photographer. was always like little baby Lindsay, always had a camera, running around, worked at every local newspaper, at Target Portrait Studios, Life Touch Portrait Studios, shooting those you know, really horrific uh, Christmas <laughs> and holiday photos, still still mm-hmm. a bit traumatized from that. Bet and she saw <laughs> some
0: great sweaters. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then like leaving the tags on and then putting it back in the rack. Uh, <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> but, but yeah, since since I was a little kid, thought I wanted to do that. And so I was very hard pressed and dedicated to that, got to art school and was like, Oh no, this is not, this is not my thing. I'm like decent at taking photos and everything else I could really care less about. And so very quickly realized that I was super, super nerdy and nobody at the school that I was at really could care less about any sort of academic anything. And then there was some family stuff going on. I'm from Rhode Island and had to go back to Rhode Island and ended up at a business university, which is definitely not where I thought that I would would end up. And I studied anthropology while I was there. And so I went from being this weird nerdy kid at an arts college to then I was the weird artsy kid at a business school and didn't study business. So it was a confusing time for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then the first chance I got to, quite frankly, get the hell out of there, I <laughs> decided to spend spend some time abroad studying in Chile. And while I was there, I met this other gentleman who's in my study abroad group. He and I bonded over our mutual inability to speak Spanish. And so between the two of us, uh, we were, you know, friendship was great, but cultural immersion and language acquisition was not so good. We uh, didn't. We didn't know more than Ola at the time, <laughs> so he uh, he fancied himself a, a hip-hop artist. I'm a big fan of of hip-hop music in particular, and I still, of course, had my camera with me, and so between the two of us, our combined knowledge of Ola and his mild resemblance to the R&B singer Neo, we were able to <laughs> book him a bunch of shows all throughout. South America. And it was wild. That was like the first time that I had ever been involved or really thought of being in the music industry. You know, I had taken guitar lessons as a kid and piano lessons as a kid, but never really thought of that as a as a career necessarily. And so we started booking shows and And while we were there, it was we got to be fake rock stars. We were getting free food and free drinks. (laughs) And then when we came back to the U.S., he was like, "So Lindsay,
1: I got to jump in real quick and ask you, like, how did you just you just kind of like eased into booking gigs? Like, I I mean, that's something that (laughs) you just don't ease into. How did you guys start doing that?
2: Well, I think what was interesting about it was that in in Latin America there was a different respect and admiration for music and for the cultural importance of music and events. And when we were there, not that it was easy, but it was easy to, especially as, you know, American kids, especially as for Phil, the kid that I was working with, he was, you know, the only, what felt like the only black guy in in the entire country and so there was a bit in hindsight there was a bit of fanfare because of that and he really did have a resemblance to neo and like was always wearing a fedora which was part of it and so
1: (laughs) (laughs) could he dance like neo though He, he
2: he was a good dancer and so that all all of those things were kind of this serendipitous recipe for success in that way and the host family that he stayed with he there was a a relative I think a cousin who was a, a promoter and so that was a big a big part of it and it, it was always joked it was just like well Lindsay you're organized like you're so it was always you know making fun of me on one hand in terms of like oh you're so type a and you're uptight and you're this uh but then you know the, the flip side of that it was like oh you are really organized like you can help me and you can keep you know you can keep the chaos managed
1: <laughs> it came in handy
2: <laughs> sure did
1: yeah. Sure did.
0: So you know, I so I, I actually uh, my company that I ran it was an entertainment company. We built uh, like DJs and bands yeah. and all this stuff. Um, yeah, the whole gig life that can mm. be pretty rough. How, how, like, <laughs> how did you adapt to that? Because not only are you, you're doing gig life, you're doing gig life in a foreign country. You've got a host family. Were you having to travel all around, or how, how was that?
2: Again, my my Spanish abilities were. Th- hilarious to say the least. It was just a lot of me sitting at the table <laughs> with like Google Translate, you know, on my crappy Lenovo laptop attempting to communicate with my host family. And so, yeah, you're right, that was very confusing. Fortunately, we weren't traveling super far. It was mostly okay. local local places, so there wasn't a lot of a lot of explaining to do. And then I think what happened was when we got back to the US, Phil had gone, he went back to Cincinnati. I went back to Providence, Rhode Island. And he he called me up and he was like, well, I mean, you're organized again. Like you'll just, you just be my manager. Like, it's not hard. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Why not? (laughs) And so I started calling all these places out in Cincinnati where he was, Hey, you know, I've got this great artist. Can we book? Can we promote? Can we do a show? The same, same steps that we had taken in South America. And the response was the complete opposite. They were like, yeah, if you pay to play here, if you sell these tickets, if you promote in this way, And I was like, huh, I don't, that seems pretty backwards. If we're bringing people and we're providing value to you, why do we have to pay you? And that honestly just sent me, sent me, set me totally off (laughs) and pissed me off (laughs) enough to, (laughs) to do something about it.
1: (laughs) So what did you do about it? I mean, how how did you change the process? Because I'm guessing it wasn't just you that they were asking to pay. They were asking all artists to pay until they get to a certain level. How did you make that switch?
2: Yeah, exactly. So we started, we started a company called level exchange. And the idea was that we were leveling the playing field for music and performing artists. And so my idea was that rather than, you know, me continuing to go to Cincinnati, let's, let's start in Rhode Island where the smallest state I'm from Rhode Island. I, you know, I grew up here. I know a ton of people and because I grew up here, you know, my family knows a ton of people and whatnot. So let's use that to our advantage. Let's be, you know, a big fish in a small pond figure out that model and then expand it from there. And it was funny because I had never, like I said, when I got to this quote unquote business school, they were like, what is this like anthropology kid? Like what, the, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And then all of a sudden when level exchange was one was winning the business plan competition and the pitch competition and all of these things, it was like, Oh, Oh, okay. These like arts and science kids, maybe there's something to it. <laughs> and I was like, well, you can't really have one you know, without the other. And so level exchange was built on this, ethos of art is a business and business as an art and the most successful people and entrepreneurs and, and businesses and entities that really hone in on that. like That's why. And so we started out and we had an online booking platform that facilitated the relationships between local bars, coffee shops, restaurants, and local musicians. And because you know, Providence alone had for a city of 180,000 people, we had 300 restaurants. So <laughs> we weren't short wow. on that. And the food—I mean, the food is is incredible. Still, even even living in New York now, I miss a lot of my my Providence restaurants. So the food scene was great, and so really using that to our advantage was was the thought process. And then I very quickly realized after after we hosted a few of our our own shows at local restaurants and, and bars and whatnot, we semi-quickly, maybe not quickly enough, realized that we didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) there, there There was very talented musicians in Rhode Island and in the New England area, but there was not the infrastructure for an actual industry. And so then I started very, very ignorantly reaching out to people who were, you know, way above my pay grade in terms of, hey, could you maybe talk to me and explain this whole music industry thing? And so one of the, there was an artist that I was a huge, huge fan of who was playing at House of Blues up in Boston. And I had planned to go to the show. I had already had tickets. And I figured, you know, you know, this, this this guy isn't much older than Phil and I'm his manager. So this, this guy's manager is probably some, you know, young 20 something year old too. I'll just, I will just email him. (laughs) So (laughs) I went on, I went online and I found his manager's email. I sent him a note and my thought process was that if I could use photography as my strength to get the foot in the door, I could provide some sort of value. And then maybe, you know, they would take pity on me and and give me some insight into, (laughs) (laughs) into the music industry. So I hit him up and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm coming to the show up in Boston. If you need a photographer, I would be more than happy to shoot the show. Like the, all of these things that like really in hindsight (laughs) didn't make sense, but there was, there was hope. And, I will not disclose how many times I emailed this poor man, but <laughs> about probably probably like a month or two later, I got a phone call, and this you know I had never even been to California at this point, and it was a, a California number. I answered and I said hello he said is this, this is this like grumpy grumpy man voice <laughs> he's like, is this is this Lindsay uh-huh he's like you know this is this is Kevin this is manager and I was like, Oh, and then I just like <laughs> did not know like how to compute. And before I could even say anything, he just stopped and he was like, what the f- do you want? <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> Why are like, you bugging me? Why <laughs> are you sending me a hundred emails a week? Yes.
2: <laughs> and I was, and then I just, you know, I was embarrassed, and I was just like, well, I saw you were coming to house of blues and I was just wondering if I could take pictures and, and then like just a whole mess. And then he got some enjoyment or entertainment out of it because he kept me on the phone for like an hour explaining, you know, he's not some young dude. He's almost 70 years old. He was VP of Live Nation. Like he has his own entertainment company now. And when he was my age, you know, he was running touring for House of Blues and like, how? <laughs> who the hell do you think you are? And I was like, oh, man. And then, of course, he's like sprinkling in these stories about how, you know, he went to Clapton's birthday party and he used to book Hendrix, and like all these just wild things to me. And I was like, whoa. And then at the end, he was like, you know you're a little nuts, but I do appreciate your persistence. So if you're ever in LA, let me know. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. And then he hung up the phone. I was like, what the hell just, you know, what just happened? (laughs) And so then post that fast forward to the day of the show up in Boston. Like, like I said, I had tickets, like I was going regardless of whether or not I was allowed to take photos or whatever, but got there really early. And at House of Blues, there's, one side door that looks like a mural but it's actually a door and because I was there so so stupidly early like three o'clock uh the door was open (laughs) so I like peeked in (laughs) and I walked in this like huge security guard was like oh you coming in yeah okay and he just opened the door. And I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> No groupie to- showing up that early. You have to be legit, right?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I had my, like, camera bag and, like, I walk pretty aggressively. And so he was like, okay. And so then I'm standing there. They're doing sound check. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And so I texted the number that this guy had called me from. And I was like, hey, uh, I know you said you weren't going to be at the show, but I'm here. So, you know, and he ended up texting me back. And he said, oh, last minute, you know, I ended up on the East Coast, so I'll be at the show later this afternoon let me know when you get here and I said okay cool I'm at sound check <laughs> so, so that a few minutes later you know this like old man comes up and he's got his like baggy pants and his snapback and his high tops and, and he comes over and he taps me on the shoulder are you Lindsay uh-huh and again he's like how the did you get in here and I was like I don't know you need better security or something man <laughs> and he, he was like he's like well I guess you're not gonna you know you're not gonna hurt anyone so come on and he's introducing me to everyone I'm internally just losing it I'm like whoa like this is how you run a show and there's a sound guy and there's lighting people and like all the equipment not anything like what we, <laughs> what we had been putting together <laughs> <laughs> and then after that show that really that solidified our our rapport in our relationship and fast forward you know years now I'm like he's that guy, Kevin is one of my biggest mentors and advisors and just connections in the music industry. And I've gone on to consult and, and tour manage for quite a few of his acts.
0: That's awesome. It's so important to have a, a mentor, you know, mm. like I, I actually, uh, that should have been the story that I was talking about instead of my travels at the beginning of this, because I actually, I just spoke with one of the people that I consider my, my mentor for, I don't know, years. Uh, he, you know, started a business and, um, Uh, you know, brought me on as his marketing person. And I I just, I learned so much from him. And then it's like, whenever I come across these little weird changes in life or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. I always reach out to this guy and and we chat about it. You know, I find out, whatever car he's purchased now because he (laughs) buys a ton of cars. (laughs) Um, All right. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue uh, talking with Lindsay. I want to thank you. I didn't do this in the beginning. I want to thank you for reviewing the podcast. So please do so if you haven't. You've got like two minutes to do it. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, a part of the best business network and Electrocast Media. Uh, if you've not gone over to electrocast.com, you can check out all the great podcasts. I got some good feedback on the site this last week that, that people people are liking the design, which is cool since I did that. I felt I good about that. I was like, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah, check out electrocast.com uh, and uh, you'll see all the various podcasts, not just business. We've got all kinds of stuff over there. Um, and of course, you will see um, all of our business podcasts as well as a part of the Best Business Network. Um, okay, so we are talking uh, with Lindsay Lerner. Um, you know, one of the things that that uh, we were getting into, we talked about the, the whole mentorship thing and your, your music career uh, and, you know, helping some artists tour and all that fun stuff. Uh, It was flashing me back to my days. I used to work in radio and meeting all these artists and all that stuff. Yeah. You get like that weird, like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm in the room with Celine Dion. Like, (laughs) this is insane. I I just, you know, shook, you know, whomever's hand. Like, it's like, what? And it's funny how just down to earth and cool, like most of these like Mm. artists are. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is but it's just so cool to to meet somebody and then like not be upset by who they are. <laughs> I had a few totally. people. There were there were two <laughs> that I met that I'm like okay never listening to that again um but uh for the most part they are they are all pretty cool uh okay so it, it, let's let's continue the story so now okay we we where we left off you've been you know working with artists and and doing the tour thing but there's more that you do there's there's like there's the podcast that you do. For uh, sure. and in the beginning we talked a little about van life. I, mm-hmm. I've got to get into that as well. Um, no on your one of the first photos on your your website <laughs> is your van life. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get to that part of the story here, but let's, totally. let's let's continue on. So working in music and um let's let's pick up where we left off.
2: Yeah, I had like I said, we had level exchange for quite some time and Phil ended up choosing to do some other work and then I took level exchange and we turned it into a physical co-working and production space for musicians and that was based in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. and that really came from I had been on you know warp tour a couple of times had had tour managed a couple of times at this point point. and what I realized was you know, I personally didn't think that there was a talent difference between the local musicians that I was really passionate about collaborating with and then these artists that were able you know, to pay bills and take me on the road and and do all the fun stuff with and so What I realized was really the difference was these touring acts had photographers and videographers and people that were there specifically to develop content and promote and advertise and market on socials. Mm And so I was like, well, I mean, we're in we're in the, you know, quote unquote, creative capital here in, in Providence and, and being in Rhode Island. And we have 11 colleges and universities. There's so many people here who do photography and video videography and studio engineering and all these different things. And so we opened up the physical space in 2017, 2018. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was incredible to, to own and to operate a space and to be able to have people constantly coming in and out. And I think the really interesting part about it was that because we're in Rhode Island, we're so close to Boston, we're so close to New York, a lot of folks, when it comes to touring, their contracts say that they can't perform within a certain mile radius. And so a lot of folks choose to not play in Providence because it's a smaller market, obviously compared to New York or to Boston. And so we were able to still pull acts off the road, get them in the studio, get them to your point earlier, mentoring, advising, and creating those relationships between bigger touring acts. And these, you know, some of these kids that we worked with were high school, even, even younger musicians. And so really creating that ecosystem was just, was the best. And then after we shut down the level exchange space and After that, I was on a on a tour. Uh, It was actually a a K-pop tour that that Greg and I were were talking about earlier. And yeah, after that tour, I was like, man, like, you know, this is my I don't know. I don't even know how many times I've been back and forth across the United States. And as fortunate as I am to have been able to do that, I haven't gotten to see a lot of a lot of anything other than, you know, music venues and basements clubs, of, right? <laughs> music, yeah. music venues. So, that's like, that's like, that's the bummer quote unquote of mm-hmm. being on the road. And then, so I texted my housemate and I had thought of doing van life in the past. And I've always, you know, I've always been an outdoorsy person and camping all the time and, and hiking and whatnot. And I texted my housemate. I was like, Hey, I'm not going to come back <laughs> from, from this. She was like, uh, okay. You know, I kind of thought this would happen eventually, but okay. And so that was that was January of 2020 and the tour that I was on ended February 27th of 2020. So, you know, I had bought a van and given up my apartment and then we all know what happened in March of 2020. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like it was a pretty wild time to be doing van life and on one on one hand I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm by myself and so this is probably a good thing, but also I'm by myself, and who knows what is actually going on in the world right now,
0: yeah. and so yeah. s- spent
2: 2020 um, on the road, went to a ton of national parks and <laughs> got to explore in that way. and like you said earlier, I mean you can you can get really far if you have remote work and a hotspot
0: yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to push those limits as much as I can. So you have the full office in there too, I guess, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. You can take naps whenever you want. And <laughs> it's That's all in one place.
0: Thing. All right, I like this. I like this. I'm taking notes. <laughs> you know the thing that um, the thing that gets me about um, and, and yeah, I'm jumping back to the the, the travel here and going mm-hmm. to all these different places. It's not just with these tours, it's not just you, it's not just the band. It's like, there's so much logistics involved in getting from one place to another and getting Mm -hmm. all set up. It's amazing that any of these shows actually happen because of the amount of, you know, like, Getting the lights set up. I, I watched this uh, uh, YouTube video recently um, about all of that and about mm-hmm. how, you know, like, oh, okay, well, you know, the band leaves at this time and they start, you know, breaking down within the you know, sure. 15 minutes after the show ends and then packing it up and bringing in people to, I mean, the, the logistics on this is insane. You must've exactly. learned so much about being able to put all of like, to, just For to sure. put on a show. Like you could probably, you probably feel like you could probably just do about anything. <laughs>
2: At this oh, point, without a doubt. Doing that, and right? I, yeah, oh, for sure. And I think honestly I'm a parent now and tour managing uh, really is what prepared me for parenting and and having a little person running around. It's there's a lot of similarities, <laughs> but I think yeah, right? I think to hmm. your point and I wish that I really do, you know, I hope a lot of people listen. To this, not only because I hope a lot of people listen, but to really hear your points of empathy of being able to produce a show and to get people around the world and back safely is an just inexorbitant amount of work that people don't understand. Yeah. And I've always been fortunate enough until recently i've I've solely worked for myself. And so the times that I have, you know interviewed for jobs, people are like, They have they have no idea what tour managing is, so they don't understand that that really has given me the the ability to do anything that needs to get done. (laughs) Like the amount of absurd things that come up on the road.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm one of those people that have no clue about what it would take to be a tour manager. Mm. So, as a tour manager, Russ went over a whole bunch of logistics. Do you have people helping you, or are you pretty much handling all of those things?
2: Yeah. So the last tour that I I went on, I just I spent most of October on the road and. I did that myself. And this was uh, this was an act that I've worked with before. And so, again, it, it hones in on the importance of personal relationships. So I'm super, super close with this act. I'm a big fan. And, like, the entire band is it never feels, there's been some tours that it feels like babysitting. This band never feels like babysitting. (laughs) They're like, they're just, they are professionals at what they do and everyone has their strengths. And we are as a unit really when everyone's in their zone, there's, this was probably the first tour I've ever been on that nothing went wrong. Like not one thing. And it was incredible. And it just shows when you put people, you know, in their zone of genius that you can kick ass no matter what. And so in that case, or in this case, for this tour, I was driving, routing, booking, <laughs> moving gear, loading, unloading gear, and then all of the food, logistics. Right, yeah, everybody yeah, has to eat, figure out food. Right? That you got to, uh, yeah. where you got to
1: sleep. Oh, know? totally.
2: And that's the that's the 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 fun Get part. Paid? For me, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, it's advancing all the shows, which is talking to all of the people in advance of the show and making sure that the equipment is there and all of the audiovisual things, all the lighting things mm-hmm. that you need, making sure that they're there. Negotiating pay, all of these little things that you know they seem like little things, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm a tour manager is everything from the accountant to the babysitter to you know making sure, to your point, everyone gets fed and. For me, I've always found comfort in coffee shops. I know you don't want to remote work from coffee shops, but if you go on on my website, I have become so obsessive about coffee shops. There's an entire map of every coffee shop that is Lindsay approved. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what's been really cool. You know, this last run I think was so successful because you know we've all been doing this a while. So every city that we go to, it's like oh, you know, we can find a, a little a little place to hide out.
1: You know your favorite spots already.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I uh when, when I was uh, running my entertainment company, it was uh, I would meet a lot of clients mm-hmm. at various coffee shops. Yeah. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had to uh, go out to the East Bay. I went out to Oakland and okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, Berkeley. This one coffee shop with great breakfast burritos, I got to go there. <laughs> like exactly. I have rerouted myself just to that coffee hey. shop cuz and and if, it felt like it took me back to that time of when I was meeting exactly. clients there and just like hanging out there waiting for people to show up or whatever. 100%. You know, it, it's it is kind of cool to have your little spots. Exactly. Um, it's the pastry am I'm, I'm looking at your map. Oh yeah, it's the pastry is it, <laughs> <there's> that. Yeah. <laughs> no
2: yeah. doubt. No
0: doubt. Yeah. Well, you know what? I see that you've got 50-50 um, coffee shop in mm. San Francisco over on Geary, And I That's have been there and I do enjoy that coffee shop.
1: So hey, we're, we're right. on the same page yeah. with that Excellent. one. <laughs> I've been there as well. That's a good one.
0: I think we actually met there, Greg. I think yeah, we did. Yeah. I think we one did. One of those events that we did yeah. in the city. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Very cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. Good, good choices. Exactly. <laughs> so the other thing with events is, is the marketing side of things. Mm. And you, you talked about that a little bit. I mean, okay. You could go through all the work of putting together the show. Um, if you don't tell people about it, it's.
2: For sure. Yeah. And that's, work. it's funny because now that I'm, we talked about it a, a bit earlier. Now that I've gotten into the, the podcasting realm I've, my thought process was, you know, I've spent the last 10, 15 years basically cold emailing what I feel like is the entire world (laughs) hoping, you know, (laughs) to get that mentorship and that, that advising and and whatnot. And now that I've been able to build, build this career around these different, everything from tour managing to startups and, and whatnot, I've really just reflected on that and thought like, wow. Like I've learned so much from these one-to-one conversations. How can I share that in a more broad capacity? Because I know Mm -hmm. a lot of folks, you know, (laughs) like my parents (laughs) are like, what do you do? How do you do it? I don't understand. How do you pay bills? Like, are you a drug dealer? And so they're very confused
1: (laughs) in in that regard. We we didn't talk about that aspect of tour managing. (laughs) 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 That <laughs> <laughs> would honestly it would be a
2: great it would be a great cover and to clarify I'm not a drug dealer I you know, I'd probably be a lot more wealthy if I was but uh, in terms of the the podcast it's called Cost of the Status Quo and the idea is really just to dig into why we do what we do and to gather tips and tricks and habits from folks who have chosen to go, go against the grain and I think that's what's really allowed me to give myself permission to continue to push and, and do things that are quote unquote out of the ordinary because I surround myself with seemingly, you know, I we just met, but folks like yourselves who are willing to say, mm, you're that like that nine to five thing or that, you know, school thing or whatever it is, like, mm, I, I don't think that's necessarily my thing. And so being able to on air, so to speak, have these conversations with folks and and share the non-traditional paths has been been amazing. And for me As much as i love the podcast and as much as i love the production and all of those logistics i love being on the road i love being in in community with people and so we're starting Mm -hmm. to test out cost of the status quo live and do those events and we're just just getting into the marketing of those and it's like oh oh, that's cool oh man and and it's funny because you know being on some of these bigger tours i don't have to worry about the marketing but now that it's now that the ball's in my court again I'm like okay all
0: right. <laughs> yeah you gotta, you gotta figure, figure all that out and isn't that, that part is is not the easiest part but it is like one of the the, the more essential parts mm-hmm. okay so you, you like we've, we've said you've learned a lot you actually do a, a newsletter uh learning with learner um we're gonna talk about that we're gonna take a short break here when we come back we'll continue the conversation Thanks for listening and subscribing to DIY for business. It's Russ and Greg with you. We've got Lindsay Lerner uh, with us. And just before the break, you were talking about, you're doing some live podcasting stuff coming up. Um, That right there, that's going to be a lot of logistics as well. A lot of marketing, as you mentioned. So you've got a lot going on there. Uh, Throughout all of this, you've you've got a lot of different things that you've done. Mm -hmm. And... um, uh, you're you're you've you definitely found something that you love, something that you're good at, and you're doing it, which is fantastic. There's a lot of entrepreneurs listening to the show that are going down that same path of, of trying to find or you know taking something that they're really good at or that they really love and turning it into their business. Mm. Over the years, you've learned a lot. What is your advice to them?
2: <laughs> yeah. There's quite a few things. I think the the biggest piece of advice that I've gotten that has been the most helpful and explicitly when it comes to business. I had I had this mentor who this is probably freshman year of college, this incredible woman, Sharon. And we were working on a photography project together. And she we were asking everyone, hey, like can we take your photo? We're working on this project. Every single person said no and mm. baby Lindsay was just at the end of the day just drained and distraught and Sharon looked at me and she was like Lindsay <laughs> yeah do you know what no stands for I was like no she's like no stands for new opportunity so get your ass back out there and let's go <laughs>
1: <I was> Like, <laughs>
2: ah, okay all right and so now a lot of it is more so the headspace of it's not rejection, it's more of this redirection. How do you focus more on that? How do you create new opportunities? And I think that's that's the biggest part of it. And and previously I used to think that it was a lot of just showing up, being in the right place, putting yourself out there. And what I've realized now is that it's it's a big part of it is is showing up, but not just physically, but more emotionally, mentally, and being present in those moments to really be there in, in the zone so that when you're speaking about things that you're excited about, you're attracting
1: the right people. Earlier, you had mentioned that, you know, you were kind of comparing the local bands that you thought were, you know, really talented and comparing them to some of the bands that were more successful. Right. Mm. And you're going, you know, a lot of it is just content. Like what are the pictures out there, the branding out there? Do you take that into what you're doing now and and figuring like oh I just need to really brand my you know my podcast and what mm-hmm. I'm doing now in my business and that's what's going to set me apart versus all the other thousands of, of podcasters <laughs> out there because you're in you know just like in the music industry is comp- you know, very competitive in, in the podcast sure. industry. Do you think, and, and for entrepreneurs out there, is that what they should be focusing on is just mm. brand themselves and, and really put great content out there?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think a big part of it, you know, I mean, we live in a very visual, very instant gratification society right now, for better or worse, especially in, in the United States. And I think that's a big part of it, I think, by showing that intention and that care around how you present yourself, what your design is, what the aesthetic is. I think that that's super, super important. It allows you to showcase the fact that you are professional and you're consistent and you're reliable. I think those things can be communicated in your branding. But I think a bigger part of it is, again, in this instant gratification, social media-driven society that we find ourselves in right now, I think a lot of that is people are doing stuff for likes and they're doing things for, you know, reshares and reposts and retweets. And I don't, I think that we need to dig deeper than that. And that shows when, you know, I've been on the road with acts who have millions and millions, if not billions of streams on Spotify and can't sell 50 tickets. So, what's more valuable, your million streams—that's going to get you maybe four grand—or the ability to to actually pack a venue?
1: Well, I'm I'm so curious about that. Why <laughs> do you think that is? Why do you think that didn't translate for so for those bands? Because, and,
2: and I think a lot of this could even sh- even show up in the podcasting space as well. But specifically for when it comes to those bands and and that music, your content can get you somewhere. Your content content can get you eyeballs. You know, I've again I've worked with musicians who have six, seven million followers on socials and can barely sell a thousand tickets. And so what's that discrepancy? And I think that comes down to the actual meaning behind the relationships that people have with their fans. Like there's an act that I'm going to see, I'm going to see tonight, Mariel Craft, who is one, she's a phenomenal musician, but not only is she a phenomenal musician, she has such, she's such an inherent entrepreneur that it is Mind-blowing to me. Her ability to market herself, be able to build genuine relationships with her fans and go above and beyond. Literally, like I've received handwritten thank you notes from her. And so being able to set yourself apart in that way and connect with people in a really meaningful way, I think is is ultimately what sets people Apart And after being on this last tour that I was on, you know, to sell out the entire tour was sold out. So to sell out back to back nights in New York City in a room that fits 3,500 people, like what are you doing (laughs) that actually Mm -hmm. allows people to connect with you? And how are you expressing that? Because I've seen, I mean, seems like, seems like Russ has met some divas back in the day as well. And those, those careers tend to be more of a flash in the pan than anything else.
0: Although, you know, the the thing was, uh, and the reason why I brought up Celine Dion was because I love to tell people how cool she was. Mm. Like she, you know, backstage, um, we, we had this little party for her. It happened to be, the show happened to be on her birthday. Oh, cool. So she's like, you know, like we did a birthday party for her and we had a cake, mm. the whole deal and, you know, whatever. And we had a whole bunch of listeners from the radio station come in. She went to every single person in the room and we had like, you know, a hundred people in there. Every single person and engaged with them and chatted with them. And it felt so like real and so, Mm. you know, like genuine the way that she was talking to everybody and engaging with them. And it it was just so cool. And it actually, totally honest, like I didn't love her music before that, (laughs) you know, and I mean, I still was like, "Mm," you know, (laughs) but like afterwards it made me actually like, I'm like, you know what? If she came in concert again, I'd probably, or the, the Vegas show that she was doing, I, I'd probably go see it just because I know she's a cool person. You Absolutely. know? So it's, it's, it's weird to be able to, mm-hmm. to have those kind of things. Now, a couple of other divas. Yeah, not so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Lindsay, on your website, authenticity is one of your values, and I—I mm-hmm. I, I went through the list of values. Maybe you can kind of share what your values are with our audience.
2: Yeah, I, definitely, authenticity is one of them, and I think that's—that is what we're—we're we're talking about when we're when we're discussing what makes makes or breaks an artist. And I think that is the biggest part of it. Is you know, you can post all you mm-hmm. want on social media, but to your point, if you're a jerk in real life. People are going to find out, and that's going to get around. And so, (laughs) that's going to get out there. Yeah, that's a big, a big part of it. And tenacity is another one that I listed on the site, and and that's what I alluded to earlier. I I think it's much more, you know, just showing up to House of Blues in in Boston was realistically what was the catalyst for my entire career thus far. But it's much more about the fact that I. Not only showed up, but I was willing to be there and be present and be curious. And I think that to me is what tenacity is, is really about. The other one that I have on there is, is play. And I think that's something that, that we unfortunately lose as we get older. I've always been, you know, a curious person. And I've, I've always been an athletic person, but recently, you know, I've done run marathons and lifted a bunch of heavy shit and done all of those more serious (laughs) things. But what gets me more excited now is the ability that because I've trained in a very functional way, it makes it very easy for me to feel comfortable. When I take my daughter to the playground, we can run around and we can go on the monkey bars and I can jump up and down and whatnot. And being able to move and to play and to navigate in that way, not only on the playground, but when it comes to even, you know, I sit in business meetings all day, every day on zoom, like everyone else now, because we work from home and without that element of play, I mean, it's a pretty miserable existence.
1: <laughs> I got, I got to get you into pickleball, Lindsay. Yeah. I
2: mean, I've been hearing this over and over and over again. Right. So honestly, I got to find a got to find a club here in New York.
1: I'm, I'm coming out to New York. We're going to, we're going to find a court.
2: <laughs> I think, I, I think I could handle it.
1: All right,
0: all right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's it, what it, you do,
0: Greg. You get you get Lindsay to produce your uh, pickleball live tour hey, of your uh, of the yes. Third Shot podcast. I'm down yeah. for
2: that. I'm down for that, for sure, for sure. And then the the other three the other three values that I have on the on the side are compassion, growth, and and love. And I think they're all all intermingled. And for me, it's compassion is much more about empathy and being able to truly put yourself in other people's shoes. And I think that's why I've, I've pushed so hard for musicians and for artists in general, is that something, you know, I took guitar lessons for a huge part of my life and was, am very mediocre. (laughs) So when I see people who are, you know, complete rock stars and their ability to shred, I'm like, damn, I will do whatever I can do to build your career. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm being in the headspace of being open minded enough to to grow is definitely something that i've seen across a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs that i've i've come across is the ones who are able to be in that headspace to say okay you know this shit thing happened to me my business failed my business partner screwed me over i had a crappy investor whatever it was the ones who take that learn from it and continue on and growing is huge and then love is is really where my Everyone can. I mean, you guys are in California, so you're dealing with hippie woo-woo stuff all the time. But that's where it really <laughs> comes out for me. Is that's what I mean? That's what it is. Like, what else are we? What else are we here for? We. I don't. Mm-hmm. And that's something that has always made me laugh in the, both in the entertainment realm, but also in the, in the startup realm is there's this big focus on hitting numbers and KPIs and, you know, VC funding this and <laughs> marketing that and, you know, tripling, doubling, quadrupling in size, all of these things. And at the end of the day, like, like you said, we're people and the people who matter and the people who make a difference are the ones who, who show that.
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I, I think I realized that, that love thing. It, it I don't know. It, it came a little late, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, like, I just, I want to do stuff that's fun. I want to do stuff that I enjoy. Hundred percent. Like, why, why do anything else? <laughs> totally. Like we've, we've got a, a limited time on this, uh, world and, uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's do it. Having fun.
2: What you I'm know? hearing is, Ross leave this call, go online, get his van. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help, I built mine, I'll help you build yours and, nice. and hit the road. <laughs>
0: nice I love it all right (laughs) okay so you you mentioned uh you mentioned your website you mentioned your podcast let's make sure uh everybody listening knows how to uh, get to those things
2: sure thing yeah you can find all things podcast related either on apple or spotify uh at cost of the status quo and in terms of my website it's just lindsaylerner.com l-i-n-d-s-e-y l-e-r-n-e-r
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a fantastic talking about this stuff. I, I, I love learning the, the behind-the-scenes stuff and hearing this, the behind-the-scenes <laughs> stories. of, uh, of
1: I, think I want to actually cool. live, live that life and do the Pickleball Live Tour with Lindsay. We're going to set yeah. this up. Let's I'm make ready. <laughs> I'm going to get you back on tour.
2: That's what we're here for.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. Take care, Lindsay. And...
0: Thank you for listening, subscribing and reviewing DIY for Business, a part of the Best Business Network and Electrocast Media. The subjects that we cover on this podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow. All of the information provided is opinion based and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to succeed and we are happy to take your questions. We would love to hear your suggestions for future episodes and we would also love to talk to you. Yeah. If there is an area of uh, your business where you need some solid advice or help, let us know. We might be able to build an entire episode around it and get your questions answered. You can reach out to us by visiting us at DIYforbusinesspodcast.com. There's a link in the description. It's pretty easy though. I mean, come on, you can remember that. Uh, we thank you again for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, where you are not alone. Hey, gang, I'm Nikki LaCroche, host of Who the Fuck, a show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way
2: as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am
0: I? Our world is changing faster than we know it, leading us into a technological revolution that's shaping our future in real time. Join us to meet these innovative startup leaders who are creating mind-blowing new AI applications, autonomous robot systems, and so much more. I'm Johnny Kaplan, your host on the Tech Talk Revolution podcast. Electrogast.